Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Brian. And we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. We hope you're enjoying this episode. You know, it's our goal to make this podcast useful to you. So if you find it valuable, we want you to consider supporting the Bible Bistro financially. You know, there's a cost associated with this podcast, and your support will help us to continue this mission. If you'd like to help, we have set up a Patreon account where you can contribute at any level. Maybe you just want to give us a few bucks a month and buy us a cup of coffee. Or if you support us at $15 or above, you can receive some of our personalized items, like the Bible Bistro coffee mug. Trust me, you're really going to want one of those. Absolutely. You just got to go to our website or in the show notes and click on the Patreon link. And thank you so much. We appreciate our loyal listeners. back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. I'm Ryan. Hey, I'm Brian. And this is the Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian yeah. faith. And we it are is. so glad to be back with you all today. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, and I'm back with the regular microphone. Right, you're back in your home office, I'm home back bistro. in the home bistro, <laughs> is no longer in Colorado, Right. Uh, which was good. Did you have a good trip? We had a great trip. Good. I mean, it was... Um, you know, airlines are not a little funky right now, but we flew to Denver, and then we had to yeah. rent a car, and then we had to drive through the mountains, oh, which was nice. Nice. Spent yeah. some time next to the Arkansas River. Uh, performed. A, I uh, officiated a wedding while wow. I was there in the mountains. Nice. It was hot, though. Hotter than I expected, and I think it, they expected. It, it's been hot across the whole country. I mean, I don't know if you've been watching the news, <laughs> but... <laughs> I have. Well, we got a hotel, and we we thought about like, oh, let's get an Airbnb, and then we find out from some people that had gotten an Airbnb, oh, this place, the temperature is so temperate most of the time, none of the Airbnbs no air have, have no yeah. air conditioning, yeah. and I, yeah. so what I did is when I went back to my hotel room, I took photos of the thermostat showing that I was <laughs> below 70 in the room, and sent it to the people, saying like, that's nice, that's what you you, get. you're just that, you're just that kind of guy. I just want them, I want everyone to be a part of my experiences. <laughs> So, no, we had a great trip. It was just Good. we got back way late Monday, which right. if you notice, the Bistro got out a little late on Tuesday. Uh, well, I'm it sure, was. I'm sure it messed up some people's schedule because I, I know some people set their clock. was delayed the... uh, well north of an hour, and then oh, we no. got back late. And okay. so, anyway, that's what we did, and now right. we're back, and yep. now I'm back in the home office, and you're there, and I'm here. And we're bistro. We're getting today. ready to. We're getting ready to record the Bible bistro. Well, and we what are, are we talking about today? What, what are we talking about today? Usually, <laughs> you ask me that. <laughs> well, so Brian and I were texting, and I was like, "Hey, what are we going to talk about this week? Number one, what are we going to record? We've been living by the seat of our pants <laughs> yeah, this season past so few far. Weeks, past yeah. few weeks, it's been busy. Uh, but we're going to get together next week, I think, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so we're we're uh, I so I text Brian. I'm like, hey, what are we going to talk about? And he's like, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? And I just replied back, Jesus. Because you know. you're a smart aleck. Because I'm a smart aleck. Let's, let's be honest. It was a smart aleck reply. Well, let's talk about Jesus. Was. And I'm like, great idea. And then Brian said, great idea. <laughs> I mean, Jesus is always good to talk about. I was going more for the flannel graph answer to every question is Jesus. Um, and so he just started throwing out some questions like, yeah, yeah, we actually should talk about Jesus. Well, it's something I've been kind of thinking about a little bit, you know, off and on one of those, one of those ideas. And so my question to you was this, and I don't know, I, I said, after I asked the question, I don't know how I'd answer it, but what are, what is kind of, what are some of the stories that are, that are go-to for you about Jesus? And I guess, first of all, I would say, 
thinking about how we come to know Jesus, I mean, there's there, when we when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, there is an experiential element to to this in our faith. You know, we experience um, what it means to be following Jesus ourselves, but what we know about Jesus and the way that we initially come to Jesus is through what the scriptures teach us, especially, you know, what the gospels teach us about who Jesus is. Although, you know, again, we see Jesus in the old Testament as well. You know, he's Mm -hmm. kind of the point of the whole book, but, but what stories about Jesus do you think are most telling for who he is? Or what are some of the stories that really stand out to you from the gospels? That was my question. Yeah. You asked me this question and I was thinking about, I'm like, what stories do I usually go to? And then I thought, well, most of what I say about Jesus, and this is probably telling of me, is more about his nature <laughs> than what he did. Than what he does. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so I was thinking like, well, you know, like the beginning of John the word sure. was with, like it was this, and I thought I talked and more about- And that was an important one. Yeah. That was important. For, you know, like I, I think most of the times when I have had conversations with mm, friends or neighbors who may not be believers or something right. like that- it's always on the nature of who Jesus is. Very, very rarely okay. do I talk about, you know, like I, I, I've not jumped into the point of talking about like his teachings and so forth. Now, there's right. been a couple times, and, and I think we're going to talk about some of those instances, like yeah. these very popular ones. Yeah, the people But I ask thought you for about, me, yeah. a lot of the times, I'm more focused on the hmm. nature of who he is than what. What he, I mean, I mean, it's part of his revelation, but then yeah, sure. what he does. I, That's interesting. No, I do think, and, and this is kind of where we're going to. I, I, I've suggested, and kind of the thing I've been thinking about is the parts of the gospel that are important us do say something about who we are, you know, uh, mm. and, and that's what you're saying. You're saying it says something about you. And I, I agree. It, it's, it's, but you're, it's almost those didactic passages. Then you're talking about the ones that are teaching or or yeah. saying truths about who Jesus is. Cause, cause we, the other thing we have, a lot of times we'll divide the gospels into actions and teachings. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and when I'm teaching the life of Christ or I'm teaching a gospels class, I would say you can't separate those uh, a lot of times. Well, always the teaching of Jesus happens within a narrative context. Um, so, you know, he'll encounter a group of people and they'll ask him a question and then he'll teach in response to that or something along those lines, or he'll be teaching his disciples. So you can't really separate the, the, the narrative from uh, that, but it, it, that's interesting to me. And, and I'll tell you, I'm, I mentioned this just before we started recording. Uh, I heard uh, Michael Frost, who is a, he's an author. He's written a lot. He's an Australian guy. Uh, well, really that says in- everything I need to know. He's Australian. <laughs> really interesting guy. He's a missy- missiologist, but he's a, he's a different kind of missiologist than we normally think about. He writes a lot about the nature of the church as a whole. Mm. And uh, he, he's interesting. I heard him speak, a very good speaker. I've heard him speak two or three times, and every time I've come away with things. And this says something about him, too, that the images he's able to kind of give you really stick in, in your head. And he told a story about about a time that he was asked to talk about Jesus to this group of sports people. And I won't go into the, all the details and everything, but basically he, he, he mentioned a, a person who was a hero in their sport and said, tell me something about him. And they, they were all throwing out all these stats and facts and these different, you know, anecdotes from this person's life. And then he says, okay, well, we're all Christian here. Tell me something about Jesus. And they're, all kind of like, uh, well, he died for my sins. And, you know, it, it's like the, basically the room came to a stop. And his point in that is, you know, if, if we talk about our heroes, you know, if we, if we say Jesus is 
a hero for lack of a better term. And we're able to talk about our heroes in sports or, you know, celebrities or whatever in these great detail. But then when it comes to Jesus, what is the exciting about him? Um, you know, I, I think that's telling about the way we we talk about him and think about him, and so that's that's kind of one of the things that that got me thinking about this idea of what stories uh, about Jesus are most impactful. The other question I ask you, and I'll, and I'll come back and answer a couple of these. Uh, um, the other question I ask you is: Was there any story that you came across of Jesus that, when you heard it, or you maybe you experienced it in a in a deeper way, it changed the way you think about who He is? So that was my other other kind of question for you. I think you know stories. The, the, if I was going to go with a story about Jesus, I'm going to answer the second question for me first, mm-hmm. and then we'll come back and see if you've got anything other than than those other passages. Um. For me, the the one that kind of changed my idea about who he was is when I really started studying John chapter seven, and the story of the uh, the feast of tabernacles, mm-hmm. and and what that really did for me. It's it's when he stands up and he shouts on the loudest, last and greatest day of the feast. Uh, Anyone who's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as Scripture has said, from within him will flow rivers of living water. We got a whole episode on that on that passage it's that it's that important to me Mm. and what it really did for me is it it affirmed and really kind of solidified how important the jewish background of jesus ministry was um you know this had kind of started in me when i was reading uh nt Wright's new testament the people of god and you know he talked about the fact that we have to understand the worldview of the people to whom jesus is speaking in order to understand what he's saying. And, and so I'd begun studying kind of the intertestamental period and thinking through some of these things. But then that was a passage for me that really kind of just like the, the light bulb went off and I'm like, Oh wow. He, so the way he's speaking this to these people that would have understood the significance of the Feast of Tabernacles is completely different than I've ever heard this before. And so what that changed me, again, is, is the Jewishness of Jesus, which the interesting thing to me is every once in a while, especially when I was still doing academic work, I'm not really too much of a writer or anything like that anymore. Um, you know, I, I preach and do a little bit of teaching, but when I would, when someone would ask me, what are, well, what are you studying right now? And I would talk about, oh, Jesus and the Jewish feast, or I would talk about, you know, some of these ideas and they, they would look at me like Jesus and Judaism, that doesn't, you know, for, for, for some, and these are Christians, you know, they're like, right. that doesn't compute to me. That doesn't make sense. And I'm like, wow, it's, you know, just completely, <laughs> I guess it's, it's the difference between seeing Jesus as the quote unquote first Christian, right? Right. And seeing him in, in, instead in his, in his, um, the, the context Jewish. of his people, right? And, and the worldview of that, of that day and that time. So that, that's one that kind of changed my thinking about who Jesus is. Yeah, I, I think for me, um, I would say, and I think we're going to talk about this here in just a little bit mm-hmm. that's kind of misunderstood, but, um, that Jesus talks about, I've come to bring a sword. Oh yeah, you know, sure. And decept- like that, the the idea of his message being a right, s- it is unifying and at the same time <laughs> separating. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I think, and I think we talked at this last episode in communion. You know, yeah. I felt like I was 
where the, where the church was at at the time, you know, if it was seeker sensitive or whatever, when I was a younger man, or it was just like, Jesus is my friend. You know, there's a, there's a funny right. song from like the seventies, like Jesus is a friend of mine. You know, there's like this band and they're like in velvet suits. <laughs> we'll, link whatever. To, we'll link to that. In we'll the, link uh... to that insanity. <laughs> Jesus is my friend. Um, yeah. But yeah. you know, like for me, it was just like, Jesus is love, you know, like this idea that Jesus is love and Jesus is welcoming and everybody's coming together. But at the same time, Jesus himself is saying something like, uh, actually, <laughs> actually, you know, that there's going to be some, uh, I'm actually bringing some separation here. Like I, did, a- I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. So yeah, a passage there, if you're, if you're looking, uh, you said there's, it's in Matthew 10 or Luke, Luke chapter 12. I yeah, believe. It's, it's a couple, it's in the gospels. Yeah. They're all synced up, right? I'm just teasing. This is a joke. <laughs> well, it, it's uh yeah, that, that is an interesting passage and, and it's hang on to that. Cause I think we will come back and, mm-hmm. and talk about why, why, you know, why are there some passages about the, that we call the hard sayings? I think there was even a book written several years ago about this idea of the hard sayings of Jesus. Why do we consider some of the things that he said harder to understand? And what is it about them that makes it makes them hard to understand, I suppose? Yeah, I, I think there's just a and I've, I mean, I've done this before. I mean, it's like. I don't know. It's like even listening to my spouse in my own house. Like sometimes I hear what I want to hear, <laughs> right? You know, and it's like, well, right. I heard it. I mean, the the sound waves hit my ear, yeah. But I wasn't paying attention to it, right? And so or- it was is one of those things. I, I admit I have that problem sometimes. It can happen to me, but just like and now it's, it's just, record, now it's recorded for posterity. It's, so. Yes, she'll love that. Um, but uh, you know, it's just those things of why why are there times that I have read something and I have missed it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's our own, you know, kind of cognitive blind spots sometimes yeah. where we're, we're not either, we're not sure how to process it or we don't want to process yeah, it. And, and it's an emphasis too, isn't it? It's it, like, there are certain stories. This is kind of what, where I'm going today. There are certain stories that we come back to over and over and over again. And there's other stories, even if we looked at them, you know, we read them and like, oh, okay, I've, I've studied them some, I understand why it's difficult, blah, blah, blah we don't come back to them right they they're, they're just kind of there and and they lay there and that, that's about it in terms of other stories about jesus i suppose then oh, this is kind of a funny i hadn't thought of it this way you know maybe lazarus um for me is just is just a very important story that says a lot about who jesus is almost every funeral that i preach I mentioned this, not necessarily because it's the idea of the, the dead being raised, but you know, the, the, just the whole story about how uh, Jesus knows he's going to die and he stays for two more days where they are uh, and basically says, this is for your good to the disciples so you can understand these things. It's, for, it's foreshadowed. If you read the Gospel of John as a whole, you know, I like narrative. There's this idea of a pro- proleptic statement or a foreshadowing where he says, a time is coming when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of Man and rise from the grave. And that's literally what happens in chapter 11 of the Gospel of John. Um, you know, the, all of that stuff. But then here's, here's, here's the passage I always use at a graveside is Martha comes and meets Jesus out on his way into into Bethany. And there's several things I just find fascinating about this. Is the first thing is Martha says to him, Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And I just talk about the amount of faith that statement says. Like there's no no question in her mind. I've in other words, I've seen you heal. 
if you would have been here, you could have healed my brother. He would not have died. Mm-hmm. And, and then she says, but yet, even now, I know that whatever you ask, you know, it, it'll happen. And, and, and Jesus tells you, uh, you know, says, you know, do you believe um, that your brother will rise again? Um, and she says, well, I know he'll rise again at the, at the last day. That tells us, you know, they're from a Pharisaic kind of mm-hmm. background. But then Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. You know, she says, I, I believe in the resurrection, you know, at the end of end of time, the resurrection. And he says, I am the resurrection life. And the one who believes in me, even though they die, yet they will live. I will live even yet, even though they die. And, um, you know, that, I don't know, that's, that's something about that passage for me that's very, very powerful. Um, and I'd never noticed this before. Uh, actually, when we still lived in Cincinnati, there was this... Um, a deaf choir that my wife participated in. It was a signing choir. They did sign language to music and it was really very moving things. And one year the program they did focused on all these resurrections uh, that we find in the gospels and of course culminating in Lazarus, but then also pointing toward his own resurrection. And uh, just, uh, that's a, that's a pretty powerful thing that here. And and like you said, that's, that's a story about who Jesus is though. He's, he's saying, I am the one who has power over life and death. Um, You know, so it's hard for me to narrow, narrow down, but I think for me, that's a, that's an important story. And and just as you talk about this, you know, uh, that is an important story for me, but kind of talking about how I think about his nature differently. I was thinking about this actually just the other day and that story of, you know, Jesus wept, you know, we've all read it like he can read for suffering. And I thought, why? It, I honestly, I was yeah. like, why is Jesus crying? Yeah. Why did Jesus weep? You know, I was thinking about right. like, man, I'm eating like a really good meal and I drop my fork on the ground. <laughs> right. Like, man, that stinks. But I have the power either to A, go get another fork, right. or I could just walk into the sink, wash it off, <laughs> and I'm back to it. And right. Jesus is the, you know, he says, I am the resurrection of life. Jesus knows yeah. his power. He knows what he's able to do. Yeah. Uh, but kind of through some of the conversations we, we've we had about that, like what, for me, what makes that powerful is like his, his feel, you know, we talked about why did Jesus weep at that time? It's his experience of the yeah. result of sin. It's not supposed to be this way. Yeah. His, you know, huma- like, his humanity really. His humanity it, it, was yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And like, so that for me is like, when I think about that passage, the meaning for me, yeah. again, kind of going back to my original statement, I'm always talking about like the nature of who he right. is. Like he is a creator who has the power, but this still is experiencing things with us. Yeah. And so anyway, just kind of building off of that, like, yeah. you know, what's meaningful to you in there? Like I, I read it. I mean, not that what you said wasn't doesn't no, no, no. resonate with me, but You're also right. for me, it's just like those perspectives and what we choose to put emphasis on yes. and what we, what we see is different. So here's how I, here's how I put this next question. Then did you want to, is there another story that you wanted to bring up in, in this context then with that? I, I don't think so. I think, I, no, I, 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 it, the, it was actually the Lazarus one, but it was just okay. that, that with that, it was just a different angle on it. That, yeah. Yeah. that like for me, it says more about his nature and then, right. then some of those other things. Anyway. Well, here's here's where I was going with this. Here's the next question I had listed is, what do the stories about Jesus that we choose to focus on say about us? Okay. <laughs> yep. Now, now let me give you a couple of illustrations here just to kind of get, and, and I think I've used both these stories before, so forgive me, but, but just in this context, it's interesting to think about. 
I remember a, a, a semester of chapel when I was at Lincoln Christian University, and I, I can't remember the theme of the chapel. That uh, if I went and looked, I could find it, but but uh, I, I can't remember what it was. I do know this: it was not focused on the Gospel of John, though. It was a different different emphasis. I think it was I think it was a book of Colossians, if I remember. But anyway, that may be I may be thinking that because I'm preaching through Colossians. But um, anyway, that that particular semester. Uh, what is there, like maybe 15 chapel speakers, you know, one, yeah. one a week for 15 weeks, something along those lines, and guest speakers and some faculty speakers. They usually have a mix, right? Yeah. And I, I remember counting, uh, just just because I, it, it, was, it was strange the way that this worked, counting the number of times that there was a reference to the story of the woman taken in adultery. Hmm. Um, and... and you know, this is John uh, chapter seven fifty three through eight eleven or wherever it is eight or eleven or twelve. I can't remember now. I think eleven. But um, the story, and and we've talked about this before. We I call it pericope adulteri that that it may not even be it may not even be original to well it. I should say, may I'm pretty confident it's not original to the Gospel of John. It may be an authentic story of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. But but probably not where it where it currently is uh, for a number of different reasons. But and, and do we have an episode on that? We're we not. We, we do we, have an episode. We should. Well, I think I we talked we did. about that. We talked about that. Okay. There was some reference, maybe to Susanna okay. and uh, yeah, yeah. Apocrypha. Okay, I think we've yeah. talked about the. We, we'll we'll reference that. But but anyway. Six times, so so you know, out of fifteen speakers, let's say, uh, you know, over a third of them, six of them, um, cited that story as an illustration. And again, it, you know, it wasn't focused on the Gospel of John, right? Or you know, there's no other, there's nothing in the theme itself that would have suggested it wasn't like the theme was forgiveness or something like that. But but that story just kept coming up and and it illustrates to me how you know again even though it's, it may not be original to the gospel of john what an important story that is and and almost everybody you talk to even if they're they're not really uh, a, wouldn't call themselves a, a follower of jesus probably know that story right mm-hmm. let him who's without uh, sin cast, cast the first, the first stone. stone um but but that one you know it was one so so here's what what does that say about a person, if that's if that's the story they keep coming back to. Here's the other one, and this is more recent. I think we have talked about this too. I see people all the time referring to Jesus turning over the tables. You know the what I prefer to call the temple incident. Um, you know, there's this funny quote unquote funny meme that you'll see on the internet from time to time. That's like, uh, well, when you tell me to act more like Jesus, that doesn't preclude the possibility of you know turning tables over, and driving right. people driving people out with a whip. Um, and, and the number of times that certain people come back to that, and I think I've said when we talked about this before, I think I said he only did it once. You know, it's like one one, one time, time you turn one over some tables, time <laughs> and you change your whole perception of me. But what what does it say about a person for whom that is the guiding story to Jesus? to Jesus life, you know, and, and so that's kind of what I thought it would be good for us to explore today. What, what, uh, what does that mean? And, and here's, here's kind of the, well, do you have any comments on that or? Well, (laughs) I mean, I I won't say that I haven't referenced the flipping of the tables a few times. Everybody, everybody has, you know, this idea of having righteous anger and, and yeah, I mean that, that now that topics I've talked about in small groups, everybody's like, (laughs) ah, you know, the thing is righteous anger and Jesus did this. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I think it does. Like if if we're 
you know, I think back to the the woman caught in the act of adultery. Yeah. You know, like why do we why why was that popular? You know, was it was it sure. about them and individually those that said it? You know, or was it about like right the nature of where the church was at the time? You know, like mm, the you know we were. Right. I, I always say like there's nothing Christians love more than a good browbeating. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> Um, that we, we like to be told how garbage we are every once in a while, um, even internally and outside, right. you know I mean? It's like, it's, it's a right. heaping on of things. And so, you know, it's one of these things like, well, don't talk about someone else's sin mm. unless you've got no sin in your own, you know what right. I mean? It's one of these things. Right. It's so, so then there's, there are teachings go along, judge, judge, not lest you be judged, for example, uh, or oh, I was, I've I was had thinking. that conversation in small groups many <laughs> times. Well, Jesus says not to judge. And yeah. I'm like, well. And on the on the turning over of the tables, you know, the one we mentioned about, you know, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword, you know, that would be kind of the proof text version to go with that, I think. Yeah. So it, yeah, I mean, I think it, the, 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 what we gravitate, I mean, I think this is with anything. What we gravitate to is what resonates with this. I mean, it's the old saying about like, you want to see what someone values most in their life, look at the checkbook. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's the same kind of concept I think where it's like, if I keep going back to these same things over and over again, is, is that what Jesus put his emphasis on? Right. Or is it what I, what I'm putting my emphasis on? I always, I think sometimes we've talked about this before. It's like, well, I got to read Jesus in light of Paul. You know what I mean? Right. Or like there's those that are like, Paul is the main thing, and then there's Jesus. Right. And, you know, it's like, well, n- no, not exactly. <laughs> but it's kind of going, what what do we, what does that say about us when right. we're, when we're emphasizing one thing over another thing? Well, that was the, you know, that was the thing when I mentioned Michael Frost, he, you know, his was, well, Jesus died for my sins, you know, which is, you know, that's the Pauline, I, you know, that's the mm-hmm. Pauline idea and don't get me wrong it's justification is a good thing you know and we right. we, we believe in it so so here's kind of why i said it. I, we are supposed to be transformed into the image of jesus that's what scripture teaches us and instead i think sometimes we conform jesus to our image right so that he likes the things that we like he approves of the things that we do mm-hmm. uh, he dislikes the same people we dislike you know and that kind of thing and and I think we've got to be careful in that. Um, and and I, the other thing I want to be careful about, you and I talked about this before we started, is I would never come across, I'd never want to come across like, oh, we, you know, Ryan and I have figured this out, so we're gonna, you know, we're, we're kind of just exploring this. We're, mm-hmm. we're thinking, what are our blind spots? What are there about the the stories that we look at that we're missing? part of the whole picture of who Jesus is, part of the multifaceted uh, idea of who, who, who Jesus is. Yeah. I, and I, and that's, it's hard. I mean, I think in yeah. every aspect of our own lives, we have blind spots. Sure. You know what I mean? Even Absolutely. about ourselves. Yeah. And those blind spots can carry, carry over to even how we interpret who Jesus is and, and right. what he says. I, I, it kind of reminded me, we had a conversation about Peter Inns. The beginning yeah. of second season. Sure. And, you know, I read one. It wasn't the book that we referenced in that episode, but one of his earlier books, you know, uh, Peter had a problem with basically like, you know, God does all these things. And it was like, he's reading the Old Testament and going, well, I wouldn't have done it like that. Like if I had all the power in the world, I wouldn't do, why would I do that? Right. And basically it was, if God... God didn't act like Peter. What the stories in the Old Testament were not what Peter, how Peter would have acted if he were God. Therefore, right. those stories couldn't have been about God. And it was just, you know, it was one of those things. It was like, 
I'm reading this and kind of going, wait, so if God doesn't act like how you would act, he can't be God. This can't be a real narrative. And so I I think it's just, we all have them. And I think the the reality is you and I have them, everyone has them and to be aware of them. So, so kind of what I've been thinking about is the, what we call hard statements about Jesus then, or hard, hard Mm. sayings of Jesus. A lot of times are the ones that we struggle with right there. Yeah. And so, so I guess, I guess what I'm saying is the same Jesus who, who is forgiving and is also the one turning over tables, right? It's not there. Instead of kind of looking at, at a, one particular facet of who Jesus is, I think we need to make sure that we're reading, like I would say, read the whole of scripture, read the whole of the gospels, not just the Sermon on the Mount. You know, I have had people say in the past, oh, you know, I love the Sermon on the Mount. It's just the rest of that stuff that Jesus did and said that I'm not a fan of, you know. Um, oh, he he likes the meat. No, no, he didn't. He didn't mean that. That's a translation error. Right. So, so that's, that's, you know, again, what, what I think we're, we're kind of, thinking about i think the picture and, and shouldn't it be the picture of jesus is much more complex and shouldn't it be if he is if he is who he, you know when you talk about his mm-hmm. identity if he is who he claims to be which i believe he is the you know the the very embodiment of the divine you know uh, of god himself in the flesh we would expect him to be more complex than we could easily grasp right well yeah i mean all all of us are complex you know if we took one moment out of each of our lives it wouldn't Mm. completely sum up who we are but we have jesus who is both fully god and fully man embodied you know in one thing that that's living life among us and so yes he's more complex than we are without the taint of sin on him but um you know just there's a lot more complexity there to it right so Anything else you want to talk? I, I had some hard sayings of Jesus I thought we might talk about, but anything yeah, else you want to say I, you before know, we I move to that? The thing is, is, gosh, you know, we always talk about this. And I, I would say this. I think this is the thing is we've talked about like reading stuff in context. Right. We did it with communion. We did it for the sure. uh, previous episodes is, you know, how do we misapply, you know, when do we do things? And I think right. this emphasis of understanding that Jesus is complex that Jesus, there is a lot going on there. And I think this goes for all of scripture is we need to be part of a community. Right. You know, right. like this, this is, this is, this Good is point. case in point of the need for community right. because that is, um, it's only in community that our blind spots of reading sure. Jesus can be revealed. I think that's the, or any scripture can be revealed because I think there is a natural tendency within all of us as we've discussed ad nauseum, ad nauseum here, <laughs> that we have our own, we, we tend to gravitate to our own, right. this aligns with, oh, scripture aligns with my personality perfectly. Right. Um, I, I mean, and surely I need it. You know, I'm not, I would not say that I am a, uh, yeah, I think there's a certain kind of person that's like a missionary. You know what I mean? Like they've mm. got a certain, and so like being in community with someone who is much more, maybe internationally mission-minded, but understands some of those complexities around the world kind of sure. going, how I'm reading this is not how the rest of the world right. reads this. And the things that I put emphasis on have, you know, there's it's a true. different emphasis in other parts of the world. Yeah. And so I think that is, for me, as we talk about this, these are hard scenes, I think, for us or that we gloss over. And then if you go to another context, you know, they right. might be, they, they might have fixed our deficiency, but yeah. might have their own blind spots themselves. And yeah. so I think that's the benefit of the body, sure. uh, the church. Is, so you're saying not internationally as well as... Yeah, as, I think you it's, know, yeah. you know, that doesn't mean you take everything, you know, it's not like you just have an open mind and anybody's interpretation is, is valid. valid. Yeah, right. but I think there's... Um, 
I think that's the benefit of being part of a a, a community is yeah. is revealing in our. I mean, when I say close, I think there's the global community, and then I think there's close church community where we, sure, our own personalities, people that know us, where we put the wrong emphasis on something, and that okay. we can be held accountable to it. Yeah, I think that's good. So, so reading in in community with with other with a diverse group of Christians with with other people, you know, I, and I think that's important that have this have the same goal of of wanting to you know it's, it's not just like you said not every viewpoint is equally valid but but with other people who are who are seeking truth and wanting to wanting to, to know more about who Jesus is yeah. and this again I'm just going to keep saying stuff this reminds me of but um, <laughs> you're listening you're here for the ride um I read a book about the like, day that Ryan took over the bistro. <laughs> yeah, Brian's done <laughs> let's wrap it up it's Ryan's bistro now uh, I'm Oral the Ryan half and the other half. Yeah, that other guy that used to be on here rambled a bunch. Now it's just my time to ramble. Uh, that the the oral transmission about how the community yeah safeguarded the scriptures yeah. because they were passed down in these stories and they were told uh, right. orally and that the community gathered together and they listened to these stories and if someone yeah. put the emphasis in the wrong spot or they messed up a detail, that's when the community would correct intervened yeah. and corrected it. So that's why we have scripture that has been passed down you know yeah. so I, it, I was thinking about that book that you what was the name of that book that you you, you read a couple oh, of years ago it was from um brian wright i'm trying to yeah. think of, i'm trying to think of the name i can think of it here yeah quick. anyway uh, but um but along that lines where where people are reading you know reading scripture and reading reading yeah the i could put a link to it it was his uh, phd thesis and it was very good i mean it was just talking about that the nature of oral oral traditions right. and that orality was important and the community was important stories are stories are important they 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 help us remember and uh you know that that's the thing i always say like if you're if you're talking to your family or whatever typically you're telling stories mm-hmm. you, you know you're not you're not necessarily sitting around you know at your family gatherings and saying you know just what you call didactic statements well so and so is a you know, doctor, and they live in this place, and you know, right. you're telling stories about them that that help illustrate their personality and who they are. And, yeah, the, the book was called "Communal Reading in the Time of that's Jesus." It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great so, book. Yeah, so they, you know, that's how we get the shaping of these stories and the yeah. way that they were connected with others and and, yeah. and, and, the and significance. It just, and it just points back again to the community when we're right. reading uh, the importance of community as we're reading. So let's go into the, some of these hard sayings okay. of Jesus that you know sometimes we read on our own and just you know make stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and what I say here, some of these are hard because they're hard to understand, but others are hard. We understand them. We don't want to practice them, right? What <laughs> you mentioned? You mentioned the one. What was the one that you mentioned about? Uh, oh, the the rich young ruler uh, yeah. is a difficult passage for many people. Yeah, the rich wrong, wrong uh, the rich. <laughs> I'm gonna say it, young ruler. We looked. At, we're looking at in Mark. I'm here. I'm gonna look this up, Matthew Mark. Okay. Um, but yeah, like that is one of those verses where it's there's a lot going on, and he's right. basically. I'm just gonna read this. And Jesus started on his way. A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, ask what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says. No one is good except God alone. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud on your father and mother. So this is, you know, Torah law, you know, right. and, and the man's like, yep, I've done all that since I was a boy. And then Jesus says one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And then his face went sad. And so like for me, right. this isn't, this isn't 
easier to understand and a hard one to live out. Like, right. I think this is, this is one that has always challenged me. Um, in earlier days thinking about like, you know, it's just believe in Jesus, just believe in Jesus. And we right. see this young man who, um, has followed the Torah law. You know, right. he's saying like, I've done all these things since I was young. Like I've right. lived the law. I've lived the Torah. And Jesus says, okay, you believe in me. You've come to me. I'm your rabbi, you know, all this stuff. And he's like, oh, there's still an action you need to do. Right. You need to sell everything and give it to the poor. And it was like, like that for me, the hard part of this Jesus saying is I understand it. Like for yeah. me, I understand what I need to do, but also like for me, there's a two part of it kind of going, well, do I need to really give up everything? I mean, this is always sure. the eternal question is like, I'm rich by the world standards. You both, right. both you and I are very rich by world sure. standards, right? At the whole world, you know, maybe right. not, you know, I'm solidly middle class here. <laughs> not compared to Elon Musk. For no, I'm not, th- I'm not there <laughs> close, real close podcast, <laughs> Patreon. Um, but kind of going, what do I need to do there? But also then like my faith requires action. Right. You know, like there's this thing that I think sometimes this gets missed over. It's kind of going, Jesus says, you've got, yeah, you've, you've lived yeah. your life this way, but there's still more, there's still more to be, we, to be done here. We still think of Christianity. I think sometimes in, like he says, it's keeping the rules, right? We, we think about, well, we've done this and done that. Mm. It's, it's funny. It's what I'm actually preaching on uh, um, this next Sunday is uh, is when we think of holiness, a lot of times we think about it in, in regard to our to ourselves internally, whereas Scripture often talks about holiness in, in regard to the way we act toward others in our community. Um, you know, how are we are we kind to them? Are we um, you know loving them? Are we forgiving them? This is uh, from Colossians three, and so anyway, just a just a thought on that. We mentioned that I have come to bring a sword. Uh, you know, I will divide even families. Jesus says, again, this is one of those culturally. I think in the first century, this would have really been an important one. Uh, Paul is a perfect example where it seems like he he becomes. Uh, disassociated with his own family because of his faith in Jesus. And I think that would have been a pretty common uh, thing for someone who, who, who became a follower of Jesus, that they would have lost standing in their community. They would have lost maybe contact with their family. Um, but but we have a difficult time with that, I think. Here is one I mentioned, unjust steward. And this is a parable of Jesus. So, the, you know, these are kind of teachings. And, and I'm not going to say, I mean, there, there's a lot about this passage I do not understand at all. Do you remember this story? It's, it's the one... Um, in in well I, I'm Luke 16. I'm, I'm getting there. Okay, and basically, so there. Here's how it begins. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and says, "What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer." The manager or steward then said to himself, "What shall I do? My master's taking away my job." And I love this line. Uh, Sting actually uses it in one of his songs. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm too ashamed to beg. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> so I know what I'll do. When I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each of his master's debtors, and he asked them, how much do you owe my master? Mm, yeah. 900 gallons of olive oil. So he says, well, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. So he basically cuts everybody cuts the amount that they, they owe in, in half, which is a, is, is a unethical thing practice right? right it would have been against the um, torah law at this point <laughs> and so so it's it's a difficult passage to understand you know but but basically here's here's what it's here's how jesus summarizes that verse nine i tell you use worldly wealth 
to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. And it's like, okay, I, I don't, I don't know that I get it. Um, but then I, I do think the, the, the response, the Pharisees in verse 14 uh, Pharisees who love money heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourself in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Uh, and, and I think, I think what Jesus is, is and again, I'm, I'm just guessing here in some ways, but I think the, the point of this is that we put very much value in money, which is not eternal, right? Mm-hmm. And, and which can very quickly uh, and easily go. And there are things that are much more important than that. But again, it's, it's a difficult statement here. It, you know, is Jesus justifying the actions of this manager who, who essentially cheats his master out of the, out of the money? You kind of understand why he gets fired, right? Yeah. So. You know, is it, is it about like that, you know, our, our sin is so great and our love for is so great that we'll continue to be unethical right. in our ways to maintain uh to maintain that wealth wealth here right. so i don't know yeah i don't know brian you're the expert here <laughs> oh, I, i'm saying you know what get hard. off my podcast i'm back to it all right so here's my thoughts what else do you have what else was there another one that, yeah i, I want to do one i tell you one that's not in the gospels okay well we're but, talking about uh, gospels. you know revelation and, okay. and two five when jesus right. talks about removing mm. his lampstand from yeah. the church right you know, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about like, oh, you know, everybody loves the, the God sure. of armies that leads Israel. But then there's like <laughs> right. times when like God's like, hey, guess what? Uh, you're disobedient and here's what's going to happen to you. Right. And then, you know, we sometimes get to Jesus. And we're like, oh, he's our friend and he's always there and yeah. he never judges and never the stuff. And then we have Jesus saying like to a church that believes in him. Right. Hey, guess what? Um I might uh, remove my lampstand from you. Which I think is symbolic of the connection that, yes, that he has yeah, to yes, the church. Yeah, remove his connection to the church. So break, break, break relationship, essentially. Break relationship yeah, with the yeah. church and kind of going, like, that for me is a hard one to kind of yeah. go, you know, there is there's a real sense when Jesus is saying, like, I might break relationship sure. with you. And I think that's a hard one. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think there's always this, I mean, we always see this, that sin separates us and that um, right. we, we get this narrative throughout all of scripture that our sin separates us from God. But there's, uh, you know, you have a church who believes I, this. I mean, I'm going to say this, this is for me, my emphasis on this is that our actions, this is one of those things that I put an emphasis right. on, that our actions, it's not just an internally held belief. It's not just what I sure. think. It's not just what I say, but it's my heart has an impact on my relationship with Jesus, obviously, but that like right. it's, a, it's an important part. And Jesus is saying in Revelation, hey, I can, I can remove my lampstand from you. I can remove my connection from you, even though you would still attest with your head right. and with your lips, but I will remove my lampstand because you, how you are acting. And right. so that for me is, a, that's a hard saying for Jesus. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd, I, I don't bring that, you know, I don't, we don't talk about that one very often. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know if I've ever been in a church where we talk about that very right. often. Where we right. That's talk, true. Where we talk about like, hey, th- this is a, yeah, th- you know, and if we see, and if we see Revelation, especially as a message of discipleship for all of us still today, right, that message still rings true. Which, 
I, I guess the the teaching of Jesus himself, you, you said this is outside the Gospels that would kind of go along with this is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Mm. You know, any sin will be forgiven except the the sin of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And you know, everybody's like, oh, what is this? We gotta we gotta know what the unforgivable sin is, and and these kind of things. And so, so again, I do I do think there's an element of judgment here. It, it makes me think, and this isn't Gospels either. Book of when you're talking though, the Book of Acts, and you mentioned, oh, in the Old Testament we have this judgment and, and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Well, you know, it's not too far into the book of Acts until you get to the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Mm-hmm. <laughs> talk right. about talk about a tough story. Uh, you got a couple more bucks there. You know what? Just keep it. It's over. Drag him out. You know, it, it that's that's a, you know, people being struck dead in in the church service, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because they lied uh, about what they they gave. Um, and you know, even the point there isn't. It, 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 it's a it's an issue of kind of not understanding the power, and that may be part of these hard sayings. Is that that Jesus is saying, you know, this is not something to to, to mess around with lightly. This is something you take lightly. The the other one. This was this is kind of a hard, and this one for me summarizes a lot. Um, the saying of Jesus, and, and again, we 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 have it's become so familiar to us that we sometimes gloss over it quickly. But in Matthew sixteen, Jesus says, "If you would be my if if you would be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross." And I think I can't remember if it's Matthew or, or Luke. Take up your cross daily and follow me. And and again, just the seriousness and the severity of that. The denying ourselves is is the first part um, that's I think difficult. It's but a how hard, can I be my authentic teaching. self if I deny myself? <laughs> I mean, and this is this I mean, is, but that's that. This that's is the, the issue. Yes. This is the issue. And uh, and you know, I, I I mentioned that last Sunday in the sermon. Um, you know, you know this idea that. That there there are things that that God clearly says, this is what I expect of you. And uh, anyway, to deny ourselves, it goes back. I always say it goes back to the garden too, though. You know, they're 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 wanting, um, you know, to promote themselves. But anyway, take up your cross. Then again, cross for us, I understand, has become a symbol of our faith. Uh, and we'll talk about, we even use taking up your cross and very kind of like, oh, it's just my cross to bear, you know, and the, we kind of make these mm-hmm. very minor inconveniences into crosses. I got to pay taxes. <laughs> it's my cross to bear. When it is, uh, when it is, you know, the, the penalty of death, you know, it was not only the penalty of death, but the cross, I think when we understand the cross in the first century was a sign of shame and in a way that criminals were made to, to be humiliated. Um, you know, and, and to think about that that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, is a, is a difficult thing for us to get our, our heads around, I think. So. Yeah, and I I think it's especially hard. And I, I think, you know, obviously, during the time when Matthew was written, Jesus was there, where the Roman Empire, indulgence is the name of the game. You know what I mean? Sure. Like there is... Um, like there's this, and and I would say you know that's especially relevant for us today. And it's you know like it's it's a very countercultural message right. of what you desire. You know, I, I was just yeah. reading this here. It's like what good is it if you gain the whole world? Yeah, like every your soul. What yeah. if I become Elon Musk? But I, you know, like I have all <laughs> right. the money and I can do all the things and I have, you know, everything that the world would tell me that I could have and desirable. Um, but I, I lose my soul in the process. You know, I've, I've gained nothing, and I think that's a that's a message for us today. That, I, but you're right. We we 
it's almost flippant sometimes yeah. how we we look at some of this yeah. stuff and kind of going Jesus has a much more intense um there's a, there's a more intensity to it than we'd like to give credence right. to it sometimes since you mentioned that idea of desire that's that's exactly what I, I said I preached on this last Sunday and this is Colossians 3 5 put to death therefore and this is a vice list of Paul it's pretty pretty typical but he says put to, to death then whatever belongs to your earthly nature and here here's the list and so I got to think about this list a lot of times we talk about each individual item but I wanted to kind of summarize what is what is Paul saying here and he says sexual immorality impurity lust, evil desires and greed which is idolatry and and so the way i summarized all those is that we desire the wrong things you know our desires are for um you know ourselves the things that we want rather than um uh you know desiring what god wants uh wanting his you know we <laughs> the old-fashioned way we'd say is to suborn our will you know to to place our will under his will uh, and that's not that that's the like you said in, in our culture that's the opposite you know it, it, the, to to follow your heart's desire is to become authentic uh, and, and here paul is saying we put to death desires you know we need to put those desires to death uh, and and instead, I think by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us to want the things that God wants, and and trust me, it's hard. Like I said, it's it's these are hard teachings, not only to to understand, but also to follow in a lot of a lot of ways. So, yeah, I it, it, and uh, I just keep thinking, you know, we've talked about this, and I think we're going to start a, a fun segment here, maybe in the next episode <laughs> called theology so. theology in the wild. Um, <laughs> but you know, that is that is the you know. That is the God of the age is I'm yeah. trying to find my true self, you know, yeah. like number one, is there a true self? You know, it's like, it's an endless pursuit, but kind of going scripture is clearly saying like, don't worry about whatever you think that is deny. You know what I mean? Like it, right. it is, it is all got to be towards and, Christ and find. I'd say the positive side is and find your identity in, in Christ to find yeah. your identity in him. That's, that's uh, the immovable. Yeah, Christ exactly. is, is the yeah, That's the foundation. That's right. the foundation. Mm-hmm. Everything else you're going to try to foundation in is sinking sand. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's kind of like some, wise man build his house man. upon. Oh, my God. Some wise guy said once. Yeah. Who said it? I don't to bring, know. To bring Paul? it all back. <laughs> to bring it all back. <laughs> to bring it all back. So um, a conclusion to this yeah. sermon. So, okay, now. Brian. So we've talked about this. And I think, yeah. you know, there's always, there's never a perspective from nowhere. You know what I mean? Like, right. as everything is written, there's a perspective, there's a message. I mean, this is, everyone yeah. wants to act like this is the postmodern age. Everything is, everybody's I, written from a perspective. Great. We read yeah. from a perspective. How do we find our, yeah. find truth in this? How do we Here's, find the message in this? The, the, I think if I was going to say one thing that, that I hope, people take away from this episode. You, you mentioned this idea of reading together in community, which I think is great. The one thing I would say is, is challenge yourself with those difficult passages, with those challenging passages. Don't, don't just simply gloss over them and say, oh, I don't get it. So I'm just going to move on to the next thing. I'm going to go back to the one that I really like. I really like, you know, this Jesus, um, and, and recognize that, that, we're trying to to learn, and again, we do this through stories, right? When when you first, <laughs> this is probably exactly the wrong illustration, um, <laughs> but we were going to say it anyway. Bring it. You know, when you when you first, like, I'm thinking about when Josanne and I first met, and and we were dating. 
you got to know each other by telling stories, right? Mm-hmm. You, you you talked about your your past and 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 uh, what you did in high school, and you know those you you told stories about your family, and and that helped to know who you are about your work and 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 those kind of things. And I think it's the same with Jesus. We look at these stories, and and we <laughs> if I would have just ignored half the stories that that Josanne told me, I would have a very incomplete picture of who she is, right? And so mm-hmm. I think it's a matter of looking at all of these stories about Jesus and not editing out. <laughs> this is kind of the opposite of the Jesus seminar, right? Not editing out those that don't fit with our understanding of who Jesus is. Instead, we recognize that these are just as valid starting points as, as anywhere else. And we need mm-hmm. to, to, to look for this full, full picture of who Jesus is. Allow scripture to transform us rather than trying to change it into, into what we want to hear. Yeah. It's not a passive task. No, no, absolutely not. And I, and right. I think, you know, sometimes we take it, you know, I'm reading the Bible right before I go to bed or, I'm, you know, I mean, it's right. like, I'm just, I'm letting it happen. And yeah, I'm just doing God, yeah. God will point out to me what I need to hear here. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, well, he can, but you know, it's yeah. like, you know, we, we need to, we need to be up to the, uh, there's a phrase you say, like we need to be equal to the, the task, equal of, to the task right. uh, of yeah. this. That's an Umberto Echo line, believe it or not, from, uh, from his literary criticism, which I'm, I'm sure everybody's dug into. <laughs> Everybody's in it. But he talks about it. It it makes sense. I mean, you know, if you, so anything you read. Okay. So Josanne and I went last night to see The Tempest by, you know, Will Shakespeare. Bill. Yeah, Bill. And, And the language... You know, and, and, and unless you familiarize yourself with the play ahead of time, if you've read something about the plot, you're probably going to sit there for, you know, three hours or whatever and just be like, I have no idea what's going on. But, but you know, to be equal to the task of appreciating this master of this, this uh, masterful work of, of fiction, then you, you have to do some work ahead of time. And the Bible's no different. You know, that, that's why we it's talk about It's not a book at work of fiction. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a work of fiction. We make our, it's not different in the way we make ourselves equal to the task of yes. reading it. So yeah. that's yeah. all I'm saying. Yep. Yeah. And I think, you know, we have to be, we need to read in community, but we also need to be, you know, there's that we have that the community has to be equal to the task as well. Right. You know, we right. all have to be, we all have to bring our A games and kind of going, you know, there is, there are, there are challenges where 2000 yeah. years past, you know, or, yeah, around there or further from the Old Testament, from some of these writings and understanding culture and everything else in it, and to, yeah. to make sure that we're grasping a full picture of who Jesus is, Absolutely. not just the Jesus that we want to yeah. see. Yeah. And again, Ryan and I are not in any way trying to say, oh, we, we're the masters of this. We're saying this is this is the ongoing work that we're involved in as well, trying to understand these things and spending the time. It's worth the time. It's worth the effort to do it. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Well, Brian, good conversation yeah, today. That was fun. Digging into Jesus. It was a joke. I mean, not that Jesus is a joke, but that we should talk about just you Jesus blatantly. But um, it was a great conversation. Good. And uh, looking forward to, I believe that next week the bistro will be in person, an in person so. bistro. And we're going to jump into a new segment, I believe we're calling theology, theology in the in wild, the wild. <laughs> it's gonna be sound effects everything we're gonna look at some fun theology out in the world all right brian mutual brought to you by mutual of omaha so. and carhartt <laughs> <laughs>
Which and I'm speaking sorry. of which, if if you uh, uh, like this podcast, share it with others. Let others know about it. Uh, you can find information on our website about how to give if you want to become yeah. a pay- Patreon patron. Patreon in the upper right-hand mm-hmm. corner. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate all your listeners and all you listeners. And we'll be back with you next Tuesday. All right. See all you. Right. See you, Brian. Bye.